the movie club. You are listening to the Cock and Bull Podcast, where weekly, my brother and I give you a story with unbelievable characters that are surprisingly true stories. Nathan. For Spencer, press one. For Nathan, press two. I really want to get my movie phone voice on the podcast. Movie phone, hit me up if you need to replace that guy. I'm here. I don't know if that's a, a role that's hiring, but I mean, just keep cheap. Keep keep checking LinkedIn. Maybe they got openings. I don't know. You never know unless you put it out there. I'm going to the secret my way to that job. Nathan, on June 28th, 1824. Ooh, 1800s. You know, that's where the sadness happened. Mm-hmm. You know where else it happens? In Bordeaux, France, Paul Broca was born. He was the son of a surgeon that served Napoleon. Big name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, probably the biggest one at that time. This boy uh, had the funds to go on and, and become quite the rich bitch, you might imagine. So, today, what does the name Broca mean? Well, Broca is known for his impact on the psychological study of language. Oh, wait a minute. Is that that, isn't that that area? Whenever you have a stroke, isn't that that area of the brain that they're like, oh, if it affected that part of it, there is. you can't talk right. Yeah, there is an area of the brain called Broca's area. Why is that, though? That's a very good question because I haven't heard that motherfucker's name until you said it two minutes ago. Well, Nathan, walk with me. Let's ramble through the avenues of time. There was this conference of psychiatrists, as there are. You know, the kind of venue where you can you can get up in front of several doctors and say, Behold, let's make monkey people. And then you have the gamble on whether or not the doctors like or dislike your, your idea. So, basically, internet forums in the 1800s? Yeah. So... While Broca was hanging out at one of these conventions, um, he saw a presentation from one Franz Joseph Gall. Gall, can we can we yeah. can we focus for a second? As far as I know, the only the only and it may be the only things we know about him, but the only defining characteristics of this guy was his dad served for Napoleon. He's a rich bitch. So why is he at the psychiatry conference? Well, I mean, his dad was a doctor. His dad wanted him to be a doctor. He did some doctor studying. Figured I would gut the more boring part of that story to try and jump to... Oh, no, that's fine. You just had to say, nepotism, he's a doctor. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he could have moved on. Okay. Mm-hmm. His, da- his daddy had a credit card. His daddy had connections. So Franz Joseph Gall was giving a presentation. Broca was in the audience, among many other men in similar outfits with sideburns and yada yada. Uh... Gaul was Gaul was sharing this idea that the human brain has regions to it that are devoted to doing different things. More specifically, he was uh, talking about a region of the brain that he believed was devoted to producing speech. Any any opinions? Yeah. Thus far, that seems agreeable. You know. Yeah. There's so brain does things. People do things. Brain's got special sections. Uh huh. Well, not nothing too controversial yet. Well, the, the crowd screamed, "He's a phrenologist! Go, go, get him out of here!" Uh, pardon, pardon, yeah. pardon, pardon. All right. Now, and I get, I understand the idea of, of a crowd getting together and yelling at people. It's fun. Uh-huh. Um, was it phrenology where you felt the bumps on a dude's head and went, mmm, it's going to snow tomorrow? It was. Like, I feel like those aren't necessarily connected. They're not quite. Uh, but the thing is, it's phrenology at this time, around, you know, 1800s uh, psychiatry. Phrenology was basically saying fake news. I mean, that was just, you just threw that label at anything ah. psychology-wise that you thought was bullshit. You say, ah, phrenologist, go away. So Go away. And that's the fun thing about psychology, is of all the sciences, 
it seems to be the one that's easiest to bullshit your way through. It absolutely Because you can't is. prove, like, almost any of it. It is. So it's just nonsense, especially in the 1800s. Don't get me, don't get me wrong, psychologist. Brittany, I'm sorry. I, I believe fully in your career path. But, no, back in the 1800s, it was just nonsense, like, nonsense to the highest degree. It's just like, do a bunch of blow and let's make it up. Well, yeah, I mean, you were rubbing magnets on, on people's, people's crotches and, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could really do whatever you want. It was kind of freestyle psychology it back in those days. It was the wild, wild west if the wild west was as cool as we think it was. Exactly, which we Not all know it wasn't. Not the Will Smith wild, wild west. That is exactly as cool as we think it was. It was. I mean, it involved Will Smith cross-dressing multiple times. That movie felt like fetish fulfillment for somebody, but... Ooh, was he cross dressed Ooh, yeah. does that movie get more problematic than I expected? Okay. Yeah, I rewatched cool, it. No. Rewatched it like a few months ago. A lot of cross dressing scenes, more than there should have been. Never seen that movie. Just vaguely aware through cultural osmosis that a weird uh, crippled man how, becomes a cyber robot. How does Spider-Man. this happen every time you try and start a conversation about a movie? It's revealed about five minutes in that you've never seen the movie. And if by 30 seconds in, you mean yes, because I've only seen four movies. That's, I feel like you're- Two the, of them are Toy Stories. Nathan, thus far, this podcast is proving you're a giant uh, uh, cultural poser, it sounds like. Yes! Yes! Okay. Yes! Okay. Welcome! Welcome to my greatest fear, people. You've exposed it. I don't know anything. I just know a little bit about everything. Okay. All right. Well, well, not to, not to cause an existential breakdown, uh, we'll, just, we'll just sum up that the- Oh, I've had that a long time ago. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, just one? <laughs> His ideas were laughed at by almost all of the attendees, um, and Broca kept quiet. This was in a time where structures of the brain were still being discovered and tested on with quasi-experiments and autopsies. It wasn't fully clear what every region did in its entirety. You kind of needed an example what? to be a jumping point to guess, oh, this guy's like that, and this part of his brain is weird, so maybe that part of the brain is why he was weird. You know what I mean? Now... Yeah, I know what you mean, and we may need to pull your your girlfriend in on this one. Uh-huh. What the fuck's a quasi experiment? Well, like how the what? Like you kind of experimented, but nah, not really. A quasi, like you faked it. A, like how? I'll tell you what a quasi experiment is. It's basically it's kind of a case study that you have to run into that you can't ethically co- like coordinate yourself. A good example would be so there was this girl in like California whose parents. When she was born, yeah. locked her in a closet, and she yeah. never spoke to anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, see, when... Yeah, no, I know exactly. Yeah, Jeannie. Yeah. So when psychologists discovered her, they then... They did... Of course, ethically, psychologists can't just put a kid in a closet for 13 years and then test on him. So they were lucky now, enough to find the unfortunate... Have they tried? Well, yes, but there's boards that stop you from doing it. We all... I Ron mean... Hubbard was right that psychologists are ruthless, and if they could, they would. But the evil psychologists basically just have to get lucky and find a asshole that reared a kid wrong and then say, okay, all right, you did the part that we're not allowed to do. Now we're going to see how this affects the human we'll, brain. We'll take it from here. Mm-hmm. Science. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're just kind of swooping in and white knighting something that they wish they could have done themselves. So basically, basically in, in this example, uh, basically all, all experimental psychologists are basically just combing human interest pieces, looking for the saddest thing ever and going, aha, eureka. That is exactly... How quasi-experiments work. So, <laughs> to to assume uh, what one big chunk of your dome did at this time, like, and, and to even hint that your assumption is based on phrenology, you know, bumpy heads, um, you would lose all your credibility. And that's kind of what happened to Franz Joseph Gall. Uh, Broca, though, thought, hmm, okay, maybe I'm going to take that idea and then say it in a way that people won't scream at me. 
I mean, I don't know how else Gall could have said. I mean, part of brain control. Like, what are you going to say here, Mr. Man? Here's what you're going to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. Gall knew that he needed proof. He needed case studies. He needed people who had suffered trauma in this chunk of the brain he believed caused it. And then he needed to, to say, look at this person. They're an example. Look at this person's brain. That part's broken. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. And it was actually Gall's uh, brother-in-law, I think it was, or like son-in-law, that was at that conference. And everyone laughed at Gall. And this guy in the crowd was like, I'm going to redeem his name. And I'm going to go out and find an example that will help prove his theory. Broca was like 10 seats over. Like, how do I steal credit for this? So ah, there it is. There it is. So proof. We've you know we've talked about. We need to find a guy. So Broca slowly set off on a lucky gambit, hoping that fate would cross him with the right kind of man at the right place at the right time. But he didn't really need luck. He just needed to ride the coattails of Gaul's son-in-law, who found somebody. <laughs> in fact, in 1810. So I just imagine. I just imagine in this situation that, like, y'all's son-in-law or brother-in-law is sitting in the audience and goes, I'm going to do something about this. And you just see Broca, like, yes. Just like, smearing his, hands his fingers together. together and then sneaks off into the shadows to follow him. <laughs> so in 1810, we're going to jump back some 14 years before Broca was even born. Louis Victor, no Louis Victor Leborn was born presumably in France. We don't know much about his uh, previous life. Somewhere, his name is Louis Victor Lamorne. If he wasn't born in France, he sure as hell was like emotionally born in France. So but we're going with. <laughs> he it. was he spiritually identified as a Parisian. So somewhere in those thirty years, this Parisian gentleman lived what I assume had to be a normal French life, eating nice food, appreciating the fine arts, uh, harboring Jeez. prejudice towards foreigners, yada yada yada. Um, I feel like that's a pretty pretty good stereotype for every place let's not pin that just on france it's true it's true it's just their their racism sounds so much more prominent in the front of my brain because it's got that pompous accent on it okay so see does it because you live in america see louis leborn had come down with a sudden ailment that his family couldn't seem to handle anymore uh, he was about about 30 years old by this time this is 1839 uh, so his family gets him admitted to bicetre a suburban mental hospital in Paris. Okay. 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 I was waiting. That's a better thing to do than like I don't know, throwing holy water at him. No, it's true. Was this problem his epilepsy? No, because that had actually be. it could be, but that had actually been perfectly manageable for Louis's entire life. But how about okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for the eighteen hundreds, good on you for being able to perfectly manage your epilepsy. I was about to say, I was like, I don't know if you perfectly manage, like, I don't let people with epilepsy drive cars today. I don't know if perfect, I mean, perfectly managed in the 1800s, that's pretty impressive. I know. For the past three months, though, the doctors were told that Louis had a sharp loss in his ability to speak. Um, speak, that is, anything coherent. Because by the time Louis was ah. admitted into this hospital, LeBourne could only say a single syllable. Tan. Can? Tan. He wouldn't just say tan, though. He would normally say tan-tan, back-to-back. Um, and he would always put some kind of gesture or inflection to it. Now, now, as the person that's actually hearing you say this live, I need you to spell out this syllable, because there's like 18 different ways it can go, and every one of them is hilarious. I just need to know which one specifically I'm working with. T-A-N. Tan-tan. That's what we're going with. Yep, tan-tan. 
Oh dear, sweet baby. Okay, all right, fine, fine. Tan's hands running around. So just yeah, like, he would, he, and that's the thing is he wouldn't just say he wouldn't just say tan. There was an inflection to it. No, of course not. He would sound positive. He'd be like, oh tan, tan, tan. tan. Or if tan. he was sad, he'd be like tan, tan. So and he what and he would gesture. We found ourselves a hodor. Yes, this is France's 1800s hodor. So proto hodor, prodor. The other interesting thing about him. And what boggled doctors was that it was an isolated symptom because he understood what everyone else said perfectly fine. But all he would say in response is Tantan with varying... The worst kind of... The worst kind of hell. So soon, they just, just started start writing things him, down. Get a dry erase board and that's a sketch. Anything. He couldn't write. What? No! Oh my god, he what couldn't write. He was to fate is this? He was trapped in a world of tan-tan and weird oh hand god. gestures, which which somebody later will describe. His hand gestures made no sense to anybody. <laughs> Just interpretive dancing his way through life. So the eventually the doctors started just calling him Tan. And that's Well, of course they did. And that was that was such a prominent name for him that despite the impact this dude has on like medical history, it took until I, I feel like it was like within the past thirty years that we had to dig up records to find out what his actual name was. The history books remembered him as Tan. Well, uh, the history books, this podcast, everybody remembers him as Tan. His name is Tan, as far as I'm concerned. So the doctors did what they could for him, keeping him comfortable and all, and I guess having one-sided conversations oh. with him until about twenty years later, when he started to suffer from gangrene. Tan. Twenty years. Pardon, pardon me. Yep. 20 years mm -hmm. later. So this guy could say the word tan, and that's it, yep. for 20 years. Uh-huh. Yep. That's pretty much and it. And hasn't gone just full, and gangrene's what we're worried about, not just the full-on insanity of that statement. He apparently never stopped trying to communicate. He was always saying something. And you just had to really figure out what it was until he gave you like a and it was tan, always tan, tan for yes. It was always tan. So God damn it. And the, the gangrene started in his right side and his, his entire right side became inflamed so hard that he couldn't move. And in less than two weeks, it was so bad that he couldn't get out of bed. And so they Jesus. took him they took him into surgery. And who was the doctor that swooped in to operate on him? <laughs> Well, it was it, none other uh, than Paul Giamatti. I mean, Paul Broca. <laughs> God damn, I was, I was really hoping it was the brother-in-law and that Broca was just, like, creepily hiding in the back, <laughs> like, no one noticing him. Like, I will, I will enact my revenge. Brother-in-law did show up, and brother-in-law sent letters back to Gaul and was like, Hey, Gaul, I found this guy Tan. He's a great case study for you. And I feel like Broca intercepted one of those letters and was like, Yes, I've got my in. And he just ran through the door faster than any other doctor. <laughs> so Broca, after the gangrene was taken care of, tried to get a profile going on Tan. Uh, Tan, however, could not speak or write. So... Uh, I was about to say, because his name is Tan, for Christ's sakes. Of course you don't build a profile for him. He, he just said Tan and gestured with his left hand because his right hand was gone. So Broca... Oh, God! I mean, that's the gangrene for you. Broca was intrigued. He's a one-handed man named Tan. So Broca was intrigued with the faculties that had decayed and, and which remained. So, for instance, Tan's ability to say words that weren't Tan, were pre that was pretty lackluster at best. He could, however, read clocks really well and used his hands, his, his hand, I guess, singular, to gesture numbers, like, immediately. He could tell time to the second, which impressed Broca if he looked at a clock. 
Um, so he was super good at telling time, super understood everything everyone was saying, but only said the word tan and couldn't write. Correct. That's uh, a weird Venn diagram of skill sets. Well, six days later, Tan died. Oh, of course he did. Why wouldn't he? It's the 1800s. Everybody dies. I hate to throw that Even bummer. Tan. tan lives Just... 20. Tan lives 20 goddamn years of tanning, and then six days after broken, <laughs> gets a hold of him. So, I mean, that's life for you, though. You reach 30. You start saying Tan Tan all the time. Suddenly, you're dead at 51, while an old doctor is is using you to steal credit from someone. As well, he should. Now, I'm curious as to how he's going to steal credit from him at this point, because honest to God, what the it's not like he had an MRI and he said, say tan, and see what episode of the brain popped up. Well, Broca... What's it called, the parts of the brain? Episodes? Uh, I, I don't know. Regions? States? St- states? It's We're not episodes. It's certainly not episodes. We're going to say territories of the brain. <laughs> so Let's go with it. So, uh, Broca, being the doctor that was squatting over tan on his deathbed, um called dibs on autopsy <laughs> and <laughs> is that how autopsies work i was not aware autopsies worked on the takesies system so uh he, he scooped that brain out in its hole and across one big ass region that that gall had said he thought was the speech center broca sure enough found a giant lesion that had eaten away that part of his brain uh it's not fair when the shit bags succeed it's just not no, it's not, but it's just how it works. And I imagine Broca yeah. just had more money is part of it. Because, he, he, I mean, they took a picture. They took photos of the brain. You can look up Tan's brain. That's a thing. Wait, seriously? In, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. What's that? We're in Napoleon times, and they're taking pictures of fuckers? Uh, late 1800s. I feel like I don't have any pictures of Napoleon. I'm going to say, this dude's dad served under Napoleon. So, like, there's a lot of room for that like to be really far away. the equivalent of being, like, there aren't pictures of Grandy, but there's pictures of us. Welcome yeah. Welcome to weird hyper-localized versions of what we call our grandfather audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, now at, th- at this rate, we're just gunning to get your kid to call our parents the weirdest name possible to keep that tradition alive. It's not working My well. My kid already calls our mother Gaga. Like, that's normal. Like, like my, yeah. there's going to be a weird point in his life where he figures out who Lady Gaga is, and is going to have some weird, weird issues with mother. <laughs> I think first we need to introduce her mom to Lady Gaga for that to really complete the circle of realization. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today, and as Broca would continue finding in similar cases, uh, we have come to find that this region of the brain, Broca's area, is responsible for speech production, while a similar region on the opposite hemisphere of the brain works for word processing. So you can damage one chunk of it and not and only be able to say the word tan but the other chunk is still alive and well and understands what other people's words mean so can you pr- just fine so can you break the microsoft word version the processing side and then just you un- you, you can't understand it you can speak perfectly fine you yes. can phrase your way through life but you just uh-huh. don't understand a word anyone else is saying uh-huh there's been similar cases oh, where that's the guy i want to see there's similar cases where a gentleman i mean we might have elected him there's a gentleman who uh <laughs> suffered severe uh damage to uh, that other hemisphere, it's called Wernicke's area. Uh, there was a guy who I believe suffered a, a traumatic brain injury to that part, and it didn't disable him. It weirdly, like, unlocked his third eye. He had learned high school and Spanish and stuff in, in well, you know, high school Spanish and French and all that. And after this injury, after he recovered from the coma, I'm assuming, he was able to fluently speak Spanish and French. There were no inhibitors whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, so we just basically just need to admit that we don't understand anything about how brains work and just, like, roll with it. Yeah, no, this, I mean, our brain is a computer, and I'm just saying, like, within the next 80 years, we're going to figure out how to hack the shit out of it, so. 
Oh, I cannot wait to install ROMs on my brain. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm going to play Sonic all day. <laughs> I'm reliving Titanic. This time, I'm the boat. So, that, Nathan, is the story of how Broca's area was almost the Gauls area, uh, but Paul Broca swooped in and stole it. Also, Francis Hodor. Oh, like an asshole. Also, Francis version of Hodor, which might just be Hodor as far as I'm concerned. I think Game of Thrones is really just happening in France. Yeah, it's pretty loosey-goosey. I'm pretty sure Game of Thrones is canonically just England if shit got real magical. So, that, Nathan, is this week's episode of the Cock and Bull Podcast. I want to thank Driftless Pony Club this for allowing This is the part where us- you thank uh, Driftless Pony Club for letting us use their song Cholera off uh-huh. the uh, album There Were Buffalo. No. Oh. They let us use their song There Were Buffalo on the Ark off the album Cholera. So this is why you do that part. I was about to say, you attempted to swoop that out from under me and it just didn't go well. Well, you were it. stalling for reasons unbeknown. I don't think that was the case. I think you might have just heard what you wanted to hear. Driftless Pony Club, There Were Buffalo on the Ark, off the album Cholera. That is our theme song and our outro. You should listen to it. You can stream it wherever you'd like. I'd recommend finding their album Magnificent on Spotify. It's fantastic. It's a good time. They also have an EP But you can't find us on Spotify because nope, be- Nope, because the man is kicking us down. Goddamn man. Uh, and you can catch us every Wednesday. Leave us a review uh, through the iTunes review system. That would be fantastic if you don't mind. It really yeah. helps us out. And Nathan, don't ask why iTunes is the only one that gets to mediate reviews. Just do it, damn it! And we'll ca- I guess we'll catch you next week. We will, probably, maybe, oh, hopefully. Yeah. God, unless we get in like a tragic accident in the next ten minutes, I thought we were recording another one. Well, we, uh, don't tell the people that behind the curtain. Oh no, my bad. <laughs> <laughs>